0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So I get this uh, email from someone who we deal with quite frequently here, and they're doing their thing, and they were like, "Um, so I'd like to um, ask you if you'd have Stephen A. Smith on to talk about um, Black uh, HBCU uh, Week, and I was like... So I said to Jameson, I said, Yeah, go ahead, tell him it's all right. And I was like, I we got we going through publicists now? Okay. All right. I thought that was interesting. That wasn't me. All right. I was like, a publicist, he got a representation to get on the show. I ain't no no user, you just text me and I'm like, come on in. All right, here we go. Let me welcome to the show. He is the ambassador. For for Wilmington's third annual historically black colleges and universities month, it says in September. And actually his show is gonna be live. He's the ambassador. Let me welcome to the show the one and only Stephen A. Smith.
1: Hello, Miss King. Hollywood, How are you, my what's now, up? Well, you, for, you well, first of all, first yeah, of all.
0: Publicist? First yeah. of all, well,
1: well, well, listen, listen. Here's the deal. ESPN is is directly involved in it. All of these folks here, WWE they do a phenomenal job, obviously. or uh, Cooper, Ashley Christian outside, co-creators for HBCU Week and everything. They reach out and they've been doing a fabulous job, but you know me. You know, I mean, I would have called you myself. I mean it would have just called her the week off and said, Yo, I need to come right. on to promote something. I had no idea. That's not how we roll. But you know Listen, they it was very professional. They, 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 exactly. I, I, They're I exceptional actually, and I appreciate that. I but you felt know, came like, on. like
0: these are the proper channels, That's so right. we're gonna mm-hmm. operate and I I let my That's people right. contact your people. Oh I'm and thankful they, I'm thankful <laughs> for it, but you know
1: me. <laughs> like, you know me. I got friends and I would have been like, You wanted them, excuse me, Karen. I need to come off. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. what it would have been like.
0: So, and so let's get that out of the way. Yes. September 20th, uh, Friday, week from, week from Friday, yeah. a week from Friday, September 20th. You are going to be hosting first take yeah. there
1: at 76 Sixers field house in, uh, in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Near the campus, uh, Delaware State University. And, it, you know, they, this is their third This is their third annual HBCU Week. And essentially it's about bringing attentions to HBCUs, uh, recognizing the opportunities that are available to a lot of folks, particularly within the African-American community, on, uh, obviously, uh, just to show them that there are opportunities out there uh, to pursue their education. And one of the good things about it is that any high school senior that shows up, there's an HBCU fair that mm-hmm. day. And any high school senior that shows up, you got to have your grades, and your SAT or ACT score. Um, And if you meet certain requirements, you can get a scholarship on the spot. You wow. can get you can get a scholar, the, the scholarship opportunities for you. Uh, obviously, enrollment in college on the spot it can happen right there and then. And so, mm-hmm. obviously, with the importance of education, obviously somebody like yourself, Karen, obviously Ulori as well, y'all have preached about the importance of education for many, many years. That's not the only That's not the only thing you can go. That's not the only route you can take. Obviously, but it's a, an incredibly pivotal route. And we have a lot of folks, particularly from the African American communities, that find it to be very, very challenging to get those opportunities mm-hmm. from time to time for monetary reasons and other things as well. And so, you know, being associated with HBCUs, uh, recognizing the commitment for HBCU to this, the Mayor Persicki in Delaware, and Wilmington, Delaware, Governor Carney in the state of Delaware, uh, the two United States senators showed up when they announced this and at, and asked me to be the ambassador as well, along with local congressional figures. They're all actively involved in this. It's a mission uh, that everybody seems to be actively involved in. And we've got over 20 colleges participating as well that will be in attendance and, and will what have you, bands, a battle of the bands is going to take place that weekend. It's a whole big week long affair. Mm -hmm. And the objective and the agenda is to bring attention to HBCUs and to make sure uh, that a lot of folks uh, understand that you don't necessarily have to go to the big time universities in order to be big time. Well, some Uh, would
0: argue mm -hmm. uh, some of these HBCUs are big time. That's like right. Really, mm-hmm. really big time. Shout yeah. out to all of y'all. I don't yeah.
1: want to even start. Howard, at hey, and Hampton, Winston-Salem State, Morgan, my so alma mater, on, Savannah State, let's FAMU, the <laughs> whole bit. I'm going to you know, even add that college, oh, even
2: though that's it's right. technically oh, and right. it missed the legislature. That's Cut off right. but we
0: going to That's, that's okay. It's black. So you you went Clarence Big House Games. You went to Winston-Salem State. Winston-Salem State in North Carolina. Yes, I did and played uh, basketball.
1: For Clarence Big House games. Yes,
0: you did. Um, And what was the impact of that? Because we've been talking about the need to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And HBCUs, absent of anything else in this country, has been a place, has been a safe haven for many of our kids
1: Hmm. culturally. Well, the thing about it is, you know, and, and and just in the interest of full disclosure I mean she and I go back what is it, 26 27 years why you got to be uh, specific
0: uh, with the numbers uh, and stuff? It's, like, it's, I'm just like uncomfortable it's, it's, with well, it well, cuz you're well, like 22 so
1: well, well, let me let me elevate your level of comfort <laughs> Karen knows me well enough to know I don't vibe with just anybody mm. and, and I don't and I don't call people my sisters that that often or my brothers and this girl is she means the world to me mm. she's 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 like my fifth sister for crying out loud We're that tight and uh she has has a lot to do with why I am where I am today. Because coming from an historically black college, mm. that's one element. But the thing that people miss when you go to an HBCU is that family atmosphere that you gather. It's one thing to climb and scratch and claw the way that we do. It's another thing to do it while never feeling alone. Because you're surrounded by people whose plight or whose challenges are similar to yours. Uh, the level of encouragement that you receive is, incre- is, in- is incredibly pivotal. You've got people. They're ain't just cheerle- they not just cheerleaders. They're mentors. And I'm one of those people who pride myself on saying, I need both. You need both. Anybody could cheer you on and just say, rah, rah, let's go, let's go. And that's important. But you also got to have people that are knowledgeable enough not only to keep you from falling into that abyss, but if you do end up falling, because we all fall at some point in time or another, but they've got the intestinal fortitude, the know-how, the knowledge, the wherewithal to lift you up. And so for me to have that experience at an HBCU was pivotal, but then to come from an HBCU and for my first full-time job in this business to be at the New York Daily News and to walk into the doors of the New York Daily News in April, in April of two, of 1993 and to run into her mm. and not even run into her. I'm in the sports department down the hall and she's in the news desk about 50, 75 feet away and she sees this young black kid walking in and she walks right down the hallway, mm. zeroes into me, tells me to come here and lets me know from that day, I got you. Whatever mm. you need, I'm here. And literally went about the business of teaching me how to write on a professional level for a professional publication, which ultimately sparked my career and ascended it to the degree that it is. I'm not the kind of person that's going to get to where I am and forget those who helped get me here. And obviously she has a lot to do with that, which is why I have an incredible, incredible amount of love for her.
2: Everything you just said, wait, are we going to marinate in the beauty of that? No, just, that was go ahead, beautiful. move on. But it, every, because that's as not how she
1: flows. It's <laughs> not how we flow. I know, you know, I I'm dance. just giving I'm like, the, you know, it, appropriate so much props. much beauty and
2: joy. Um, and, and, but for me, in that story, I hear a lot of, of the application of a lot of the things that we talk about yeah. in theory, right? So you'd mentioned that in HBCUs, there's a family culture, there is this element of care and nurturing, which is a collective culture thing. You don't see that mm-hmm. in individualistic societies and so it's always curious to me that in a space where your blackness is unfettered Mm -hmm. it's not questioned you can do all the things that other college students do without questioning that element look at what we're able to produce in those types of environments where the culture of the collective is valued so when we go like to any of the stats about HBCUs we know that HBCUs are 3% of the four year colleges in the university and we know this because Jamel Hill was so nice to put this all in a lovely article for us but HBCUs produce 80% of black judges 50% of black lawyers 50% of black doctors 40% of engineers, 40 members of Congress, so on and so forth, in an environment where we don't have to navigate racism on a moment-by-moment basis, look at the genius we're able to create. And that's with the limited funding, mm-hmm. the limited uh, exposure, mm-hmm. that's with the an endowment that's that much an nth of what anyone out of, of these predominantly white institutions have, mm-hmm. but we are able to move mountains when we center on us and put us first. That is a recipe for revolution, not against this system, but for revolution in our culture to elevate from a slave culture. Into a culture that thrives and can control its destiny. Right, That's no, a koochie chakalia. There, there,
1: there's no there's no argument there. You're absolutely a thousand percent right, but I would tell you to articulate on that further, if I may. The thing about it is that when you are working with collectively with people who are like-minded, you gather amongst yourselves mm. and you have real conversation and you have real talk. You know, and a lot of people out there outside of the black community believe they like to believe that we're one monolithic group that you can look at one of us and judge us all. Yeah. And so what happens is when you get amongst yourselves and you see how different you may be, even though you share the same pigmentation, you share the same culture, you share some of the same experiences, but you might come at it from a different, with a different lens. What happens is that elevates your level of, of, of thinking. It elevates your level of mm. intellect because somehow, some way, you're willing, you might be willing to see the fault in yourself because it's coming from a sincere place. You're not questioning mm. where somebody else is coming from. I'm not talking to this white person or this Asian person or this Latina person and saying they can't relate more importantly they don't have my best interests at heart they about themselves they ain't about me etc etc you're not thinking like that when you feel like you're amongst family you can be more honest more open you can be willing to elocute and articulate yourself in a fashion that's more free than you might be inclined to do with people that look differently and come from a different culture than you and as a result that freedom helps to elevate your intellect because mm, when you get right. when you that's get right. challenged, you're not put off by it, you're not offended by it, you embrace it if yeah. you're wise, yeah. which most of us are yeah. because of our experiences. And as a result, we end up being the better for it. And so that's a, the kind of experience that we don't talk enough about because in this grinding world that we're living in, dog eat dog, corporate America and stuff like that, it's us against them. It's them against us. It's never us all right, how do we all elevate one another?
0: Introducing the all new and totally reimagined 2020 Ford Explorer. It's built for modern exploration. Whether venturing across country or simply across town, over various terrains or through rough weather, it's all good. The Ford Explorer is specifically designed for comfort, confidence, and a whole lot of style. Ready to explore more? The 2020 Ford Explorer, the greatest exploration vehicle of all time. Built Ford Proud.
1: Yeah. and HBCUs is one of the re- is one of the experiences that you get from that. You, mm. you you don't have to worry about that element of it and yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Not just with you, you as brothers and sisters, you as fellow students, the professors that you talk to. Mm. You know, they're looking at you and you know you're not questioning whether they want you to fail or they pigeonhole you or they're trying to keep you down. I'm in high school at Thomas Edison. I had a, con- a guidance counselor laugh at me. Mm. I laugh at me because I thought about going to college. I go to college and I have a black guidance counselor who's pissed off at me because I dropped out because I had to come home for knee surgery. Mm. But that got to do with your education. You should have stayed. So in on one hand, I had a white guidance right. counselor that right. thought that college was too lofty an expectation for me. And I go to college and I have a black counselor that's disappointed in me because they expected far more of me. See the difference? I get it. Yeah. Let's
0: let's pivot into Jamel Hill's um, piece in The Atlantic where she posits that all top black athletes should probably look at HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And she's gotten criticism Mm -hmm. from all different walks. She
1: doesn't deserve any criticism for it. So what are your thoughts? Well, I don't necessarily 100% agree with her, but she deserves zero criticism. I get her point. Um, And in an ideal world, I would totally agree with her but I'm more of a realist than an idealist. And when billions of dollars are being poured into these universities, I'm certainly not going to expect a young brother who has an opportunity to grab some of that to sit up there and bypass it because I want to live on a principled position of going to an HBCU. I would like that. I'm not going to fault them for it. But from a realistic perspective, you can, it's not just about the dollars per se. Let's understand what the dollars mean. It's not that the dollars literally are going into your pocket at that particular moment in time. But if I'm a star athlete and I want to be seen, they're the ones with the television deals. Now, huh? Right now, now, so now, now. Whole,
0: if no one makes a sacrifice, so my 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 position is, mm-hmm. Bron Bron, LeBron James's uh, mm-hmm. son, should. Take four of his friends mm-hmm. and do what Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and all mm-hmm. of them did, mm-hmm. and go to an HBCU because Bron Bron's is going to be okay no matter what. He's got money, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's got the pedigree. has got, and if he and four of his friends went to any HBCU in this country, they're going to be in a championship. I just feel that way.
1: Well, you do feel that way. That doesn't make you right. Well, and the reason why it, it does. Well, well it does no, not. Just, and <laughs> actually, the, and, and the reason. That's and, the definition well, I would say this. Well, I would say this to you, <laughs> Chris Webber. Uh, uh, Jalen Rose, the Fab Five They've never won a championship. They were no, phenomenal. They won
0: a the championship game. They, they, I didn't say they, they would win. They,
1: they never they won the they championship. As freshmen, right. they did something you got, that you got a lethal weapon three. Kenny Anderson, Brian Oliver, Dennis Scott. They they went to the final four. You're right. They didn't win the championship. There's plenty of instances that shows just because you do that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. That you're going to be able to close the deal. But the bigger point is is the exposure. And what right. I'm and what I'm saying is you can pull it off. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's an impossible feat. But I had the pleasure to be. One of the few individuals that interviewed the last living Negro League player, Buck O'Neill, many mm, years ago, several wow. years ago, when I had, quite frankly, and he was talking about how the Negro Leagues, Negro League baseball, packed and filled the Yankee yes, Stadium, right. yes. and economic he, and, engines, and, and, and he talked That's about, right. and he talked about one of his biggest re- regrets was that they had integrated. That's right. But he also said, once you go. You don't get to turn back mm. because you did it. Well, and that's what he was, That that's the point that he was making. Let's,
0: let's say, sure. let's, for argument's sake, that the top football player, because the top football player in the country can, can literally go anywhere, or the yes. top basketball player in the country yes. can literally go anywhere. Right. And what we've seen historically is that when great players go places, they usually are followed by other players, mm-hmm. right? Because you want to play in a team and in a system with that player. Zion Williamson could have gone anywhere. Not on a
1: collegiate level, though. Not on a collegiate level. You don't see people doing that. Mm. Not on a collegiate level. Again, think- I'm
0: going to take you back to the Fab Five, sure, five sure. because they could have gone anywhere. They went to Michigan, right? right? They could have gone anywhere and would have had a similar impact. Mm-hmm. Those four, five, especially now that the league is watered down because kids have so many opportunities. Back then, people mm-hmm. stayed in, in school mm-hmm. three years at mm-hmm. least. Jeevan mm-hmm. Jordan stayed at North Carolina three years. Today is one year and out, right? Right. So that means that Krzyzewski, his reign is not going to be what it is because he mm-hmm. ha- only has a year to cultivate right. players, right? So if you have a purposeful message and mission among four or five, and we do this twice, maybe mm-hmm. there's another mm-hmm. top player and they all go together. Mm-hmm. You're telling me they're not going to get endorsements? You're telling me they're not no, going to get television? You're no, telling no, me no, they're no, not no. going to get the well, billions well, of dollars that right now going to white schools wouldn't be diverted into these schools you, and, you, that me, YouTube let, or somebody would do a deal, right, billions of dollars? Let me
1: explain. Let's say, for example, right now, And again, I want to emphasize my point. Jamel Hill is not wrong. Her article was great. Her position is admirable. In a perfect world, I would love that. She's not wrong. But here's what I mean about being realistic. For example, when she alluded to the big fives, the big five conferences and how many, you know, the paucity of African-Americans that, you know, that that are in these schools, but, you know, the black populace on the basketball team, the football team make up X, X, Y number. Here's the deal. The contracts have already been signed the television deals have already been inked. So let's say, for example, these players decide, all right, I'm gonna go to a historically black institution. Excuse me, competition is what makes the world go round. If nobody's playing you, what do we see? In other words, if I don't have you on my schedule, if I'm not scheduled, if you go to hand, let's, let's, hypothetically, they go to my alma mater, Winston-Salem. Yes, right. they should. Right? Right, right, and they should, right? Well, Roy Williams won't play him at North Carolina. And Shostakovsky won't play him at Duke,
0: and and and, and you, I'm, I'm, you don't think they would make a way? Because here's what I'm also we're in the technology era. Sure, we're we're in a space right mm-hmm. now. Uh, cables dying. People mm-hmm. don't really care. And actually, all of these sports leagues are dying because their contracts, people no longer tune into television. They have to find more creative mm-hmm. ways to, to get our eyeballs. There are a lot of spaces out there now that are available, streaming and otherwise. We just saw Tyler Perry just did a BET deal um, th- that people got going to be streaming that, right? There's, there's so many different outlets now, right. and people with money. But my,
1: but my implication is that It's not a quick fix. If it was something that happened year after year after year, that change that you're talking to, Obviously so. But if but no the point one is,
0: ever does it, it will never fair. happen. no, no, and no, 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 no one's ever going
1: to do it so that, long as that, that, we don't
2: approach community development from a different perspective. Because what you guys are talking about is we are on a particular path and mm-hmm. we're talking about a culture change. But right. every cultural change requires a true. disruption. And a sh- So if I'm pregnant and I'm going to have a human being at the end of this pregnancy, I don't get there without the labor and the discomfort and the agony of the pain of actually delivering Correct. a baby. There is a period because we are in this e- slave culture that's Sort of trying to adapt to independence, but while still being ruled by slave culture inclinations. There's gonna to have to be a generation of us that are that can occupy the doctor and patient space simultaneously. There had so sort of like children of Israel, if you want to take it back to the Bible, there had to be some of them who, before they could get out of the desert into the promised land, had to go out and search the promised land, figure out what was going on, and then 10 of them messed up anyway, so they didn't get to come in and only two of them got to do it. But at the end of the day, there has to be this period of disruption between what we know to be the norm and what we know. An intelligent community control thought process and analysis. I'm looking at you, Karim, that we have to then do. And I feel like this period, there has to be a generation of not just players. Community folk like yourself who are doing the HBCU month or HBCU week, people who are going to do the very challenging, uh, sausage-making, mm-hmm. non-glorious work mm-hmm. of addressing the deficits that exist at HBCU.
1: Well, let me, let me, let me uh, no, hold on, a, let me get this point out. Right, okay. That
2: are going to address those deficits so that players don't have to come and make decisions between Prince and Popper. We have to create an environment so that players at Grambling don't have to protest their lack of conditions and facilities. There needs to be an investment not from the players, from the adults in the room hold on who are able oh, to whoa, hold whoa, on whoa, yep, whoa, i'm gonna whoa, hold on after whoa, whoa. i finish okay. the adults in the yeah, room the people the who care who are able to invest in the colleges so that the players don't have to choose between glorious buffets and fried chicken that can't be okay. seen.
0: okay you love people and you love giving them gifts fab fit fun is the thing to get it's 200 dollars worth of products for just $49.99. And it's seasonal. So it's the fall. So when you go on fatfitfun.com, you fill out the little questionnaire because it asks you about the person that you're sending it to. So it curates it. So if it's like my mom, which is what I sent her, don't tell her, I sent her a box for the fall too. I'll tell her the age and the things she likes, like she likes to drink wine and all of this. And then they will customize the box and send it to the person that you love, or do one for yourself. All right, so go to Fab Fit fun for the seasonal box, full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99. Always, the value is more than $200. Use my coupon code. This is Karen for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. Coupon code. This is Karen. FabFitFun.com. Check it out. It's beautiful. I love it. It's fun. It's fab, and it's fit. There you go.
1: Okay, but when you talk about the adults in the room, let's understand, let's expand beyond the court of play or the field of play. Let me take it, as Joe Madison was saying in the morning, where the goats can get it. There's something called the collective bargaining negotiation. Indeed. Last time I checked, the players have participation in that. And when we talk about the power that you're alluding to and the power that you just articulated, oh, these eight boys at that particular moment in time, they're grown men. They're grown men. And not only are they grown men, they are grown men with tens of millions of dollars in their pocket. Figuratively speaking, I'm saying, I'm talking about the the, the the salaries that they've accumulated. Do you know that right now the NFL is negotiating with its players? You really, really think they're concerned about a work out, or lockout? Mm. I mean, a, a, a work stoppage? Mm. I can assure you.
2: That's right.
1: They're not. Yeah. They're thinking about, excuse me, we collect over $18 billion annually. Right now you are at about 49%. Okay, or around 47, 48 percent. You'd like to get it up to 49. The owners want them to play instead of 16 games, 17 game season, want 18 game season. Then maybe we're willing to get it up to 49, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know what? The kind of stuff you talking about, the kind of stuff you talking about. They ain't think about that. They grown ass men. That's right. They ain't think about it. You know what they thinking about? I don't feel like working that extra game. Well, if I work that extra game, let me make sure we get up that additional 1%. We got a players association that has to be mindful of the fact that we might have that principled position. We might have that conscience, especially culturally. But guess what? I got over 2,000 or almost eight, uh, almost 2,000 players, 1,848 to be exact. Once the 53-man roster is established, I got them to think about. And they're saying, hell no, this is our priority. We got NBA players. Average salary over $5 million a year. They just signed a nine-year deal a few years ago in the 2024 where they're going to get billions upon billions of dollars here. And what are they thinking about? You think if they think about culturally? No. conscientious. even though they fight their battles, and they fight their battles one at a time, but when we talk about this collective stuff that we're talking about right now, well, what Jamel Hill wrote, what you're articulating, what we're talking about right now. Are these brothers bringing that to the negotiating table? Hell no. They're thinking about this. And then, after all of that I just said, we want to go to kids who don't have a dime yet, who ain't make that money. And we want to say, you make the call. What I'm saying to you, ideally, you ain't wrong, Realistically, ideally, you're definitely not wrong, but realistically, am I expecting that to happen? Hell no. Those aren't the only adults in the room. Those players,
2: I'm talking about the alumni that graduate from these Come institutions. On. I'm talking about those of us who wanted to go to HBCUs but couldn't, because white folks gave us money and HBCUs could not, but we decided to donate to HBCUs and build them up anyway. I'm talking about those of us, not the players, the players that you're talking about, and I don't know any of them personally, disclaimer. Um. I'm not talking about people who have been unplugged from the Matrix so far into their life cycle that they can't forget the taste of meat being fictional. For those of you who see the Matrix, that's a reference to that film. Mm -hmm. So once you are sucked in and you have been uh, introduced to the very seductive nature of what privilege and power can give to you, I don't think they're the right ones to carry this burden. Mm -hmm. The ones who are able to carry this burden are those adults who ain't got the millions, but who have the knowledge about how structures should be operated, who have been able to say I went to this HBCU, it was phenomenal. Here are the three areas that they really need some work on, and I, as a part of the Alumni Association, I'm going to do the long-term work of building that up. Got a question
1: for both of y'all on this, and I'll step back and literally, because I want to hear the answer to this question. I heard what you just said. But when you look at it from the standpoint, you talk about folks who've made millions and are somewhat removed from that matrix. You have people who are intellectual, highly intelligent, don't have the millions, haven't been sucked in, like you said, They're the ones to carry the baton, right? Who do they ultimately end up coming to to make sure the job is finished? Who are those people? Take your time, I'll wait. Which job? The job that you're talking about, in terms of having the kind of influence that'll straddle the fence culturally, right. shake which, the foundation, is, that cultural change that you're talking about. we're
0: conversation.
1: Because ultimately, it, all, it, all I'm saying is ultimately, ultimately <laughs> we're, coming, <laughs> we're coming back.
2: We're coming to Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> too, because we Stephen, be able none to. of those people are excommunicated no, from the No, community. not at all. I don't know that it is in their lane to determine what community development looks like. I would look at... Other folks to the community, but I am going to look to them to fund it. Absolutely, because this is a yes and and all included. We all play our role and we all play our lane. Some of us may only be able to write a check, and that is okay. And on a deeper level, since
0: we're talking about these kids that don't have anything, shout out to California, which is about to pass a law to pay players in California on the NCAA level, Division One. NCAA
1: is trying to stop it. I don't know how successful they'll be. They are,
0: but but legislators. Can put it into law, and Gavin Newsom said he's going to sign it into law because these players should not be exploited without having some sort That's of right. comp- compensation. Which is uh, just- which is
1: a battle all the folks in sports media. I don't know of anybody in sports media who hasn't fought this battle on behalf of players for 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 years now, because we all know how flagrantly wrong right. it is
0: so if this billion dollar industry called the NCAA is so vehemently against playing players who have literally brought the billion dollars into their coffers we already know there's a problem with the system that needs to be disrupted Correct. so so my again I'm gonna LeBron I know you're listening Braun Braun can go anywhere in the world here's what would change the world tomorrow. And it may not happen overnight, but I think it would happen overnight. I think they're going to get TV. I think they're going to get billions of dollars of endorsements. I think they're going to have all of the eyeballs in the world, that Bron Bron and four of his friends go to any HBCU in the country overnight. That HBCU has money, eyeballs, and then it sets the table for a domino effect all throughout. And it's also a shot across the bow because it lets Mm -hmm. the power structure know, oh, they can make a different choice? We thought we set up the system so that they had no choice. And that's the thing that is required. Yes, the tough birth pains that Larry talks about, somebody's got to do it. Yes, you're a realist. You are correct in your realism. I'm living in a world that I want to change. And that requires people doing things that are uncomfortable. We're going to have this conversation. Stephen A., I'm not letting you go.